You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. I'm going to say something I don't uh, say very often, if often at all. Um, I'm nervous as heck, actually. Um, you, <laughs> you, would, you would think that uh, working in public radio and having my voice be on the radio live and recording that I wouldn't be, but uh, I haven't done something like this in a while. So when I sat down and Sony was like, are, are you nervous? I was like, yes. <laughs> or, or to uh, quote the wise words of Jay-Z, as my cell often hears from me, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, all right, let's, let's get started. All right, so um, I grew up in... Uh, a black uh, Seventh-day Adventist church, so uh, I feel like my uh, my old pastor, Pastor Leggett, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, ask some of you, if you can, to uh, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 13, 44 to 46. <laughs> oh, man. I'm also nervous mainly because I know how quirky I actually am. And so, speaking in front of people, especially folks that I don't recognize, you're, you're going to see that on full display for the next 15 minutes. Uh, I want to <laughs> read uh, just, again, what Sony was saying. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. I don't uh, typically uh, give away the secrets of my job as a journalist, Uh, but since I love most of you, I I trust that you uh, won't tell anyone else my secrets. And that goes for everyone joining on Zoom as well. Um, There's a lot that kind of goes into writing a story for a web publication or audio podcast. Uh, You start to pick up on things that kind of come natural to you, like how your voice is going to sound on a particular story or what it'll take to meet a deadline for writing an article. For me, it starts with at least three cups of coffee. And usually when I work from from home, my go-to spot is uh, flannel and East Passion. Can I get about four or five cups of coffee for three dollars since it's bottomless coffee so that's usually when i have to meet a two-hour deadline but um i can even tell you uh judging from the amount of paper i'm holding in my hand this might be about 15 minutes or slightly over but uh if you want to learn how to be a journalist on a podcast show i'll give you a, a helpful tip as a storyteller you should the audience always appreciates a good anecdote to introduce your topic. And sometimes the best way to engage someone right away is to talk about a good conflict that exists first. So I was thinking of of personal stories that relate to me with this verse. And uh, a lot of times I like to refer to my childhood just because those are the most fun stories and people learn the most about me afterwards. But So you probably would learn stories about me, like, you know, how many times the Lion King made me cry, or the fact that I dislocated my thumb when I was eight doing kung fu. 
classes, which usually always surprises people. Like, you did Kung Fu, really? I did. Um, but one thing I actually seldom tell people about myself is that when I was a child, my toy of choice was Legos. And I'll even admit to this day that when I go to Target to search for laundry supplies, I'll take a detour through the aisle to find out what new Lego sets are out. And believe it or not, one of them was actually the, uh, the glove from Avengers with the Infinity Stones. And I was really tempted to buy it. But I absolutely love Legos. Uh, in, in 1998, just to take people back, if you had offered me my choice between the new Game Boy Color and a Lego set, I probably would have actually chosen the Lego set, seriously. And I remember one time my next door neighbor bought me an Indiana Jones Lego set, which was complete with the hat, believe it or not. And I won't lie, Legos can sometimes be annoying, especially if they're loose around your house. And if you're most parents growing up, you would know that stepping around Legos with your bare feet is like playing the floor is lava. It's very, very annoying. And I think there are actually kind of two types of kids that like Legos, and I was probably both of them. The one that likes putting things together exactly the way the set instructs you to, and the one that just buys the set to just make something else completely. And the only common denominator is that in either case, if you're off by one or two pieces, it gets pretty annoying trying to build what you want. And the worst part about it is that when you lose a piece that you really like and you can't find it, and my theory is that it sometimes ends up in the vacuum cleaner more than likely, <laughs> looking at you parents. <laughs> but I specifically remember that Indiana Jones set, and I remember that set because I also wanted to convert it into my Jurassic Park set with my set with Hot Wheel Jeeps and toy dinosaurs. The only problem was one day I lost the Lego Man piece that came with the set along with the hat. And naturally I cried a lot because it was my favorite piece and I often carried it around wherever I went. And my family and I were pretty big Kmart and Costco shoppers and I remember when I was growing up I was that kid that always darted directly to the toy section as soon as we walked in. And I was probably the kid where the cashier would call, Marcus, if you can come to the front, please. Your parents are waiting. <laughs> and I remember one day I went to Kmart and I did my usual thing, ran somewhere else as soon as my mom wasn't looking. And I found, I went to the toy section and I found a Lego set and I brought it back to my mom and I asked her if we could get it. And I don't remember how much it costed, so let's just say for the sake of argument it was 15 bucks, but I made the fatal mistake of telling her that I wanted it specifically because I wanted the Lego piece in it. And she looked at me like I was insane. And long story short, I didn't get that set. And it just so happened that the next week, my god cousin Will, who also liked Legos, had a similar piece. And I was over his house one t night for a sleepover, and I remember bargaining with him with a set of Pokemon cards that I had. And I told him I was willing to trade all of that for that one piece that he had. 
And long story short, that was a successful transaction. <laughs> now, I'm going to admit that in retrospect, I probably traded some valuable cards that might be worth a lot of money today. And it's hard for me to tell if it was a spare swap. But to be very frank, I kind of reluctantly did it because I also love Pokemon a lot too. But I can't actually explain to you just how valuable that one piece was to me. And even if I had never used it, there was something about it, having it meant a lot to me. So, frankly, I could take the passage of Matthew 13 in a couple of different directions. I'm not implying that uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a seven-year-old Marcus looking for one Lego piece <laughs> out of a $15 set. But I say all this to say that I definitely understand the illustration that Jesus points out in the parable. You know, one of the passages that came to mind when I was reading this was a later passage in Matthew 18, 3, where Jesus says that unless we become like children, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he further talks about us humbling ourselves like children, which is really interesting to me. There's almost, because there's almost an innocence that Jesus is calling us to. And when I was thinking about it, the one thing that children do best that I think we as adults can learn from is that they're just always curious. They're always looking for something. And even the smallest things have the greatest value to them. You know, one of the things that I, I, was, I was looking up when I was breaking down some of the passage, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. I was reading some interesting stuff from Cambridge University Press, and I found one thing that I thought was really interesting, which is that in those times, there weren't really any banks that we would consider in the modern sense. Essentially, it was common to hide money and belongings in the ground. Poverty made everyone vulnerable to having their possessions stolen or taken by those in power. So it would have been more common then, compared to now, to stash valuables and leave it in the ground to the previous owner. And even the owner would die and not let anyone know that it was there. So it's interesting to me that Jesus actually uses this to describe the kingdom of heaven, the person that found the treasure hidden and then bought all he, sold all he could to just buy that one single field. And I think what's also interesting about this passage is that later on in Matthew 19, when Jesus speaks to the young rich man to sell all that he owns and follow him, it's a comment given to the person, and it means Jesus specifically says that you can't have two masters. You can't have God and money. And I think what's also really important to take away from this passage is that Jesus is not just telling the rich man that he couldn't just serve God and money. He's also, in some sense, pleading with him to give it up because the kingdom of heaven was what worth so much more than everything that he owned. The second piece of it, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. 
Now, I've personally never looked for fine pearls before. Fine pearls are certainly not Legos. Maybe to a seven-year-old me, they probably would have been the equivalent. But one thing that is a hobby of mine right now is I love thrift shopping. And specifically, I like going to flea markets. I think flea markets are so fascinating because the one thing I've learned about going to flea markets is that the trick is that if you don't want to waste your money, which is really hard for me to not do, sometimes you have to look for the thing that you can identify that has a lot of value to it and then deciding to purchase that item. But even then, every purchase comes with a specific cost. I think the interesting part about the passage is that Jesus explicitly talks about someone specifically looking for something of great value. And I think that Jesus is also probably describing two characters in the parable. The man that just stumbled upon the treasure by accident, almost implying, and the man that was looking for it for a long time. But I think that ultimately what Jesus is telling us is that even by finding hidden treasure or pearls, there's so much still worth more than what we're giving up for. I think that Jesus might also be teaching us that just like hidden treasure and pearls, while they're sometimes hard to find, they're probably more accessible than we actually realize. One of the things that um, I, I also did, and I also thought of this in, in Luke uh, 17, 20, and 21, when Jesus says, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of heaven, the coming of the kingdom of heaven is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within your midst. That's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I don't know why, but I've always loved that passage. Because I think, to put it very simply, Jesus is implying that the kingdom of heaven is actually within us. That we have each individual value to him. I think that's actually the good news that comes out of the parable. That the kingdom of heaven is actually not hard to find. And I will admit that even that concept is a little bit hard for me to comprehend, but I'd like to believe, which some of you perhaps are also of this persuasion, that we are unique, that our planet and our Earth is unique. Maybe we didn't descend here from another spiritual or heavenly realm as we might conjure up in our imagination. Maybe this is actually Eden. And I think that in this present place, we're able to breathe this air, drink this water, see what our eyes can see. And I believe that everything that allows us to do it was made with the purpose to do it for us. I think it's truly a miracle that if perfection meant anything to us, us being here, everything that's around us was made for us to exist. It was made for us with the love of God. And even that, as Sony was saying earlier, is a treasure. I also think 
when Jesus talks about finding treasure and pearls, I'd like to think that he's also probably speaking from the perspective of identifying with the man seeking them. I think it's easy to assume that he saw himself in the man in search of fine pearls and the one who sold, sold all that he had to buy the field. And I think we kind of already know this because he sacrificed himself for his love of us. Some of you know that I like music, and I like film references, and in my cell I'm often known as the guy that says, in the wise words of Jay-Z, <laughs> or this reminds me of that time in The Matrix. And even now, I'm sure that my cellmates are probably sick of hearing me say that. <laughs> but I actually do have a real fascination with The Matrix. It's actually one of my favorite film franchises. And I think that for a movie that came out in the 90s, I think it's, in retrospect, it's easy to analyze its nuanced storytelling and sometimes clunky plot and superfluous dialogue and say, oh yeah, I totally saw that coming. But I think it kind of reshaped our imagination of storytelling. And I think, oddly enough, whether the writers and directors knew it at the time, it's surprisingly littered with biblical imitations. I mean, even the flying ship is called the Nebuchadnezzar. And without giving too much of the plot away, for those who haven't seen it, people have seen The Matrix, right? Okay, I just want to be sure. All right. <laughs> You don't know, you don't know. Sometimes people haven't seen this stuff. All right, anyway. So Thomas Anderson, the main character, lives the life of a loner computer hacker, also known by the alias name Neo, who repeatedly encounters these codes and these messages of the phrase, the matrix. And Neo is bothered by the existential question, what is the matrix? And until one day, a woman named Trinity finds him and informs him that the man named Morpheus has the answer he seeks, but maybe not all the answers, some of them. And Morpheus leads Neo into deciding to find the truth, making a decision, if you will. And a part of that truth is a prophecy made by an oracle who predicts that a savior, the one, will soon end the war between machines and humans that will bring peace and free humans of artificial captivity known as the Matrix. And what I find so fascinating about the story is that Morpheus, the character that's helping Neo, is actually more intensely trying to find the truth just like Neo. And one of my favorite scenes in the film is when Neo meets the Oracle for the first time, and Neo admits that he's unsure about what the truth is. And there's a point in the movie that I really like where the Oracle points to this wooden plaque in the kitchen doorway. And the plaque in Greek basically translates into know thyself. And in the later films, Neo revisits the Oracle and he's plagued by the same questions about himself. I should go back a little bit too because one of the lines that, that the Oracle says is that being the one is like being in love. No one can tell you you're in love, you just know it. And in the later films, he's seeking all these questions, but it's only after he starts to seek the truth again. And it's important to know that the oracle can only answer the questions if the truth is sought after. And in this interaction, Neo basically says, why didn't you tell me these things? And the oracle replies, because it wasn't time for you to know. 
And Neo asks, well, who decided that it was time? And he oracle gestures to the very same plaque and says, you know who. And it's interesting to me that it's, it's at this point that Neo recognizes that the only thing that he had to do was seek the truth and he would find the truth. That's all he needed to do. One of the things that uh, is really interesting about my job, we just had a, uh, uh, a show that came out on WHYY The Pulse. I'm gonna shamelessly put my plug in for WHYY The Pulse. You can listen every Friday. We just recently had a show about the search for extraterrestrial life. And I remember in that show, or in that pitch meeting, I sat there and our host, we were talking about, well, there has to be something out there. Like, we can't be it. There's no way. And of course, me being like, oh no, you know, God created any, everything. We're the only ones. I actually realized that both things I think can be true. I think that us being here is a treasure. We exist in this large field. And I think that God is constantly searching. And I think he wants us to search with him. I think he wants that relationship. And so, in closing, one of the things I will say is, is that I think that, as Sony said earlier, sometimes the treasure, we all have treasures, but I think that God's treasure is love. And I think that in the parable, God is specifically calling us to keep searching for it. And we will find it. It's there. And sometimes we might stumble upon it by accident. Sometimes we might be looking for it our entire lives. But I think that Jesus is ultimately telling us that it is still accessible to us. And just like a seven-year-old Marcus that was looking for Legos, that one piece, there's an inherent joy that comes from having it, even if it's something very small. And I think that that's the truth, that's the love, that's the treasure, that's the pearl that Jesus is asking us to seek out. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhope.net.